We study the bedrock of the Christian faith. I believe in God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We are looking at the Son, God the Son, Jesus Christ, God's only begotten Son, our Lord, and his great work. How he came down to earth, and we look at Lord's Day 14, the miracle and mystery of the incarnation, God becoming flesh. Lord's Day 14, 878 in the back of your songbooks, page 878. What does it mean that he, Jesus Christ, God's only begotten Son, our Lord, was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary? It means that the eternal Son of God, who is and remains true and eternal God, took to himself through the working of the Holy Spirit from the flesh and blood of the Virgin Mary a true human nature so that he might also become David's true descendant, like his brothers in all things except for sin. How does the holy conception and birth of Christ benefit you? He is our mediator. And in God's sight, he covers with his innocence and perfect holiness, my sin. My sin in which I was conceived. And then let's look at Matthew 1 concerning the birth of the Son of God. Matthew 1, page 959 in your pew Bibles. 959, Matthew 1. The genealogy might be tempted to see just as a bunch of names that are hard to say, but here it is evidence that Jesus was born in the line of the human race. He didn't parachute in as an alien, space alien, but he entered, he was conceived and born truly as a son of Adam. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, and Judah the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar, and Perez the father of Hezron, and Hezron the father of Ram, and Ram the father of Amminadab, and Amminadab the father of Nashon, and Nashon the father of Salmon, Salmon the father of Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of David, the king. And David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah. And Solomon, the father of Rehoboam. And Rehoboam, the father of Abijah. And Abijah, the father of Asaph. And Asaph, the father of Jehoshaphat. And Jehoshaphat, the father of Joram. And Joram, the father of Isaiah. And Isaiah, the father of Jotham. And Jotham, the father of Ahaz. And Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah. And Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh. And Manasseh, the father of Ammon. And Amos, and Amos the father of Josiah, and Josiah the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the deportation to Babylon. And after the deportation to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shealtiel, and Shealtiel the father of Zerubbabel, and Zerubbabel the father of Abiad, and Abiad the father of Eliakim, and Eliakim the father of Azor, and Azor the father of Zadok, and Zadok the father of Akim, and Akim the father of Eliad, 
and Eliah the father of Eleazar, and Eleazar the father of Mathan, and Mathan the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ. So all the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations, and from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations, and from the deportation to Babylon to the Christ, 14 generations. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. This is God's holy word. It's true and infallible. May we believe it and be blessed by faith. Brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, in the 1990s, Joan Osborne sang, What if God was one of us? What if God was one of us? What if you met him as a stranger on a bus, trying to get home from work just like you? What if God was one of us? And for many people, that's what they wish for. Their lives are in such deep, trouble, that they know that only if God came down and grabbed them and lifted them up could they be saved from their trouble, and they wish if only God himself would come down and help me, if only God himself would come down and save me from all my trouble, if only God would become one of us. The good news is that he did. He has. We were so lost in our sin and so unsavable and unrescuable from below that God himself undertook the rescue operation. He said, I'm coming down. God came down as one of us. We celebrate that on Christmas Day. And he still is one of us. The eternal God has become one of us. He was conceived as a real human being, born of a real mother, placed in a manger for his bed. He grew up in a home like ours. He cried. He wept. He got hungry and tired. He was loved. He was bullied, he was followed, he was hated, he was finally 
arrested and crucified and then rose again and went back to heaven. And even now that he's back in heaven, he's still one of us, a human being. We've been studying who is Jesus. He's the Savior. He's the Christ, prophet, priest, and king. He's God's only begotten son, the son of the living God. He's our Lord, our owner, our master, our protector, our leader, our guide. But how did this eternal son of God who inhabits eternity, who lives in glory, how did he, this God, intersect with our lives and meet our need? How did he come? And that's the answer that's given to us in Scripture that we've also confessed together in the Heidelberg Catechism, that truth of Scripture, as the eternal Son of God, who is and remains true and eternal God, took to himself a truly human nature and became one of us. Jesus Emmanuel, God, God with us. We want to adore this miracle and mystery this afternoon, looking first of all at the miracle, what happened, the mystery, what was the result of what happened, and then our mediator, why? Why did God do this? The miracle, Jesus is Emmanuel. Literally with us, God. Emmanuel with us, Ale. God, the God who created heaven and earth and everything in them, he's ale. The God who controls the universe, God who's given us the Bible, he's with us in Jesus Christ. The eternal son of God entered our world as a true human being. He entered as the son of Mary, the son of David, the son of Abraham, the son of Adam. became part of our human family tree. God became man. God became one of us. It's an absolute miracle. It's entirely the work of God. It's a gift from heaven. This was not Mary's idea or Mary and Joseph talking together. It's not Mary's wish. Oh, wouldn't it be great if I could get pregnant and give birth to the Messiah? No. We read in Luke that God sent an angel to an unsuspecting virgin in her home in Nazareth, a lady named Mary who was engaged to be married to a son of David named Joseph. And the angel Gabriel gave her a message from God. We'll find that in Luke 2 or Luke 1. You're going to conceive in your womb and, and bear a son. And you're going to call his name, you shall call his name Jesus. And he'll take the throne of his father, David. And he'll reign forever and his kingdom will have no end. Whoa. And Mary was astonished. How can this be? Since I'm a virgin. And the angel said, here's how the miracle will happen. Luke 1.35. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. And the child to be born will be called holy, the son of God. And then the Lord added, for nothing is impossible with God. This is not a fairy tale. 
This is not like the tooth fairy or Santa Claus. This is a message of Holy Scripture which always stands fast against every attack against it, where promises are always kept. It's time-tested and true. It's a miracle of the God who can do anything at all. Nothing's impossible with him. The power is his. All creation is his. He can do all his holy will. Nothing stands in the way. And so the Holy Spirit specially created a real human being in Mary's womb. That's what happened. It was a drama in real life. It brought upheaval to her life and to her fiancé's life. It threatened their relationship. What would their parents say? What would the neighbors say? What would the elders say? What kind of shame would this put Mary under? And even though Mary was a virgin, Joseph felt it would be best to break off the relationship to spare her. But an angel told Joseph, son of David, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is what? From the Holy Spirit. From the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit specially created a human nature for God's eternal son in such a way that the child conceived in her was not like a specially created alien, virtual human being, humanoid, created in heaven and then planted in her womb as somebody not really of the human race. No, he created Jesus' human nature in such a way that he took His substance, the substance of his human nature from Mary. So he's not just conceived in Mary, but the Holy Spirit conceived him from Mary. Galatians 4 verse 4 says that. God's son was born of woman, out of woman. She was, or he was woman's own substance. And Romans 1 verse 3 says that God's son was descended from David according to the flesh really entered that family tree. Really the shoot coming from the stump of Jesse. And Matthew 1 verse 1 calls Jesus Christ the son of David, the son of Abraham. Luke adds the son of Adam. And then the book of Hebrews says that Jesus partook of our flesh and blood like us. Just like us. And was made like his brothers, it says, in every way. And has been tempted in every way as we are yet without sin. That's the miracle. The Holy Spirit created from Mary's DNA, from Mary's flesh and blood, a human being with a human mind, a human soul, a human body, human emotions. Now, there's one more very important thing about this great miracle. Even though Jesus took to himself a truly human nature from the flesh and blood of a sinful virgin named Mary, the child conceived in her and from her 
by the Spirit's power, without any involvement from a man, that baby was holy without sin. The one to be born in you will be, of you will be called holy, the Son of God. Hebrews 7 says he was holy, harmless, undefiled, set apart from sinners. Again, that's not the work of man. Roman Catholic theology says, well, the way Jesus got protected from sin was that his mother Mary was without sin, conceived and born without sin. Mary, Mother Mary protected his sinlessness. And that makes his sinlessness really the work of man. Mary confessed Jesus to be her savior. She was a sinner needing a savior. It wasn't Mary that protected his innocence. It was the Holy Spirit. It was a miracle that from a sinful virgin came a sinless son. Free from any original and any actual sin. He was sin free. What a miracle. What a miracle. We cannot look for anybody to save us who's got sin stains on him for then he himself needs to have a payment made for his sin. He himself, if he offers his life to God, God will say, "Uh uh-uh, I can't accept that as an offering for sin. It's got sin on it, out of my sight. Only a sin-free offering can pay for sin. What a miracle. What a work of God. Remember how God had already promised such a miracle in the Garden of Eden when he said to the serpent that the woman is going to have a seed, a child. And that child is going to crush the serpent. Jesus is that miracle baby. The destroyer of the serpent, the curse, sin. Remember the way of salvation? We talked about Jacob's ladder a few weeks ago. It's not that there's a ladder set up from earth to heaven and we climb on it by trying our best and eventually, if you try really hard, you'll climb your way up to God and you'll get there. Salvation doesn't work from earth climbing its way to heaven. It's the other way around. God set up a ladder from earth to heaven, and he came down at him. In fact, he is the ladder, because in John 1, John sees the Son of Man with angels ascending and descending on him. He is the ladder. Jesus is God's ladder, coming down from heaven to earth. God is climbing the ladder, down the ladder, to us. To a human race that cannot save itself. That's hopelessly lost in sin. Hopelessly under the infinite eternal wrath of God. We can't get out from under that. Only God can lift that. God, you must come down and help us. And he did. It's impossible for us to save ourselves, so... God in his great love set up a ladder reaching down to earth and he climbed down to us. God came down for the rescue. The Lord himself humbled himself to become servant of all. 
And now he calls us to have that same mindset that we lower ourselves to lift others up like our Savior did. That's the miracle. Let's look at the mystery. This great miracle of God leaves us with the great mystery of the incarnation. We confess it together. I love that answer. The eternal Son of God who is and remains true and eternal God, took to himself through the working of the Holy Spirit from the flesh and blood of the Virgin Mary, a true human nature so that he might also become David's true descendant like his brothers in all things except for sin. Who can fathom that? Nobody can understand that. Nobody. Jesus remains true and eternal God, infinite, all-knowing, all-powerful eternal even as he is laying there in the womb of the virgin mary a weakling having a beginning of days as a human being jesus adds to his divine person the eternal son of god a human nature so now he's both fully divine and fully human the god man fully human with a human body, a human soul, a human mind, human desires, human emotions, a human will. He is one person who after he was conceived by the Holy Spirit now has two distinct natures, one divine and one human. He's not a deified man, he's not a humanized God. He's not an avatar of God, a mere representation of God. He's God himself in full deity. The fullness of the deity, Colossians 2, dwells in bodily form. Emmanuel, God with us. It's unfathomable. Even as he lay in Mary's womb for nine months, this tiny zygote embryo, this tiny fetus, this tiny baby, so weak, so needing the safety of his mother's womb and feeding tube. At the same time, this baby is God who's controlling the heavens and the earth, sending rain and sunshine, keeping the galaxies and planets in their proper places, controlling Caesar Augustus and holding Mary in his hand and taking care of her during her pregnancy. Isaiah says that unto us a child is born and he is mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Everlasting father, I mean king. Wow. And then when he went into the boat with his disciples, remember after a, a long day of teaching and he was tired, he fell asleep in the boat and a storm overcame the boat and it was gonna sink them sink the boat and sink the disciples and they shook him awake and he got up this tired man and he spoke to the wind of the waves it listened they listened to him and the storm stopped tired man omnipotent god dwelling together in one person 
mystery. Mystery. And when he was still a baby in Mary's womb, Mary went to visit Elizabeth, remember? Elizabeth, her cousin, who was expecting a baby named John. And as she came into the door, Elizabeth cried, who am I that the mother of my Lord should come and visit me? The mother of my Lord God. Wow. The baby in her is God. She's giving birth to a baby who's God. She isn't, she's not the source, Mary's not the source of his divine nature, but of God in his human nature. Well might the sun in darkness hide and shut his glories in when God the mighty maker died for man the creature's sin. And the church has sometimes been uncomfortable with that language. When God the mighty maker died for man the creature's sin. And so God can't die, right? So then we turn that to Christ the mighty maker died for man the creature's sin. And then same with and can it be. Amazing love. How can it be that thou my God shouldst die for me? Well, God can't die, we say. So we change that to Lord, to tone that down a bit. That thou my Lord shouldst die for me. No, it's correct to say God. Biblically correct. Acts 20, 28 speaks of God purchasing the church with his blood. God has blood. Not in his divine nature. But his divine nature is so attached in his human nature inseparably, though distinctly, in one person that what can be said of the one can be said of the other. Mystery. What can we do but stop and stand and be amazed? Let's not join the heretics who have throughout the centuries been offended by this miracle and mystery and worked hard to tear it down. You know, some said this little baby is so weak. He has to grow in wisdom, the Bible says. He's tempted. So tempted that he had to pray to his father for help to make it through his suffering. This weak human being can't be at the same time God in the same person. No. He must have emptied himself of his divine nature for a time to become a human being. And that's the kenosis heresy. He emptied himself. They they get that from Philippians 2, but they're not reading it right. He who exists in the form of God emptied himself, took on human nature, emptied himself of the glories of God, but not of the divine nature itself. He's God. Even though his divine nature is hidden behind the veil of human flesh, he's still God. And one and the same person. Others have said, God could never get close to flesh. He would never defile himself by identifying with the human race. That's too degrading for God. He wouldn't get close to flesh. No, he just looked like a human being. You know, kind of like angels could take on the appearance of a human being. That's what God the Son did. He just looked. He appeared to be God. And that error is called docetism. 
which means to appear. He just appeared to be human, but he wasn't actually. And John addresses this in 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. That if you deny that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, you are of the Antichrist. Others said, well, God and man are so infinitely separate from one another. One knows everything and everyone. And the other knows nothing until he's taught. Jesus had to be taught. The one is almighty, controlling heaven and earth, and the other is so weak he can't live or breathe or move unless God sustains him. These two opposite natures get along like oil and water. They can't live together, can't be united to one person. That's Nestorianism. And there are many other errors that try to defy and deny this mystery. But we worship him. Emmanuel, God in our flesh, the eternal word, who was God and is God, also became flesh and dwelt among us. We stand amazed. How can it be that you, my God, should die for me? Because he is both God and man, because God has become one of us, he is our mediator. That's what we see thirdly. That's why this is such good news. God came down in our flesh to save us. There's no other way. There's no one else who can meet our needs than God becoming man. No one else can do this. No one else can rescue the souls of men, human beings. Why? We human beings have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and we've come under the curse of death and the price that God requires for sin is eternal punishment of body and soul. And unless that price gets paid, there's no redemption. So whether we pay that price ourselves or somebody becomes one of us and pays that price, that price has got to be paid. So our mediator must be a real human being and be able to be part of our family tree. To stand in our place. And to become sin for us. And come under the curse for us. And perish for us. Under God's wrath. And bear the eternal punishment of body and soul. In his own body and soul. He's got to become one of us. It's the only way for us to escape. The Bible says the soul that sins, it shall die. He has to become one of them. Though he never sinned personally, he has to assume and take that sin upon himself. Salvation can't happen by remote. Where God clicks the remote and zaps you with salvation and you're saved. It can't happen by remote. Somebody has to come and stand in your place. It has to be personal. It has to be in the flesh. It has to be paid for in full and for real. And that's why God stepped into the human race and became one of us, why he humbled himself to enter Adam's genealogy and become a child of Abraham. And he lived our life and he died our death. And he stood in our place, 
right from where sin begins. Do you know when your sin begins? I was conceived and born in sin. That's where my sin starts. And that seed of sin grows and becomes expressed as we grow older. Baby sins, toddler sins, childhood sins, tween sins, teen sins, young adulthood sins, adult sins, till we finally die. And that's where he entered our race. Didn't parachute in as an adult, he started at the time where sin starts. And he covers your whole life. You can give to him your baby sins, your childhood sins, your tween sins, your teen sins, your young adult sins, your full adult sins. And no, he's got you covered. At the same time, if he's going to cover us, he's got to be fully God because you can't bear eternal punishment of body and soul unless you're an eternal being. Unless you're infinitely powerful. That's why he also had to be God. In order to pay that price. That's why Psalm 49 says, no human being, mere human being, can pay the ransom for a soul. God must redeem my soul from the grave. He must be God. And he must be man. And this is Jesus And he's our mediator. You know what a mediator is? A middleman who can represent both sides in a conflict. God provided a middleman. He can represent our side and take our sins and make them his own and pay for us. But he also represents God's side to take God's wrath and eternal curse upon sin and make them his own. And he takes care of the whole thing. He's got it all. And you need him. And I need him. Every day, all the time. To know there's only one covering for my life, and it's Jesus. Only one mediator for my life, that's Jesus. Only one way to God, that's Jesus. Only one way out of sin and the curse, that's Jesus. You shall call his name Jesus. The angel said to Joseph, for he will save his people from their sins. Trust in him. Give your life to him. Don't be too proud to bow the knee to him and say, I need you, Lord. I'm done. I'm dead. I'm destroyed. I'm devastated without you. But in you, I have everything. You meet all that I need for a sinner to come to a holy God and be acceptable. He's got it all, Jesus Christ. Amen. Father, we come before you to adore, to marvel at the miracle and the mystery. God has become man. The Son of God has added to himself a truly human nature. You, Jesus, have come to stand in our place, in our sin and under God's wrath, 
And you are the perfect one for that. God and sinless man. We offer our lives to you. We come to you as the way of escape. The way to glory. Help us then to trust in you, to rest in you, and to rejoice in you. Lord, may we marvel at this mystery today and live by this mystery all the time. In Jesus we pray, amen.